beyond infinity. So welcome back to Beyond Infinity. And I have a contributor to the program who's been here before and we're very grateful to have him back. His name is Dr. Tony Hayes. He's a retired scientist. He has a PhD in physics from Cambridge from the 1960s and then a second PhD in psychology from Nottingham University, uh, which he obtained in the 1980s. He is a bona fide, he's, um, well, expat Australian if you like, but he's been living in Australia since 1989. He became involved in helping the blind, uh, and he actually only has about 10% vision himself, which is, uh, for me, as an interviewer, it's kind of easy to forget that because Tony's very well adapted to his uh, level of eyesight, and uh, it's easy to forget that uh, he doesn't see quite as well as others. So uh, great to have you here, Tony, and thank you for being with us. It's a pleasure. We've got a few things we wanted to cover today, and uh, we'll kind of break them up into three areas, if possible, although they do overlap. One is the periodic table of elements. It's the 150th anniversary of the creation or the first breakthrough that uh, that led to that uh, proper cataloging of elements. It was done by a Russian by the name of Dmitry Mendeleev. He was a theorist who revolutionized this area and uh, revolutionized how we see the world. And he published uh, back in 1869, so 150 years ago. So we'll talk about the periodic table and then also the first photo or image, I should say, uh, of a black hole, a big breakthrough that we talked about on this program a bit earlier in the year, but it was done with a big scientific collaboration and and telescopes from around the world combined to image a nearby black hole. We're going to talk about that with Tony. And then finally, Tony wanted to talk about uh, his recent visit to the grave of the late Stephen Hawking, at Westminster Abbey and the inscription, some of the uh, the intriguing facts around that. And Tony actually, if you listen back to some of the previous interviews we've done with Tony, he was at Cambridge in the 1960s at the same time as Stephen Hawking. So lots of, of uh, pretty interesting things to talk about with Tony today. But let's start with the 150th birthday of the periodic table of elements. And this was this uh, very intriguing uh, Russian, apparently he was one of 17 children. They, uh, they liked breeding back in those days. Dmitry Mendeleev, he was the person who was responsible for the, the first kind of formal structured periodic table of elements. Yeah, in fact, the Russians do call it the Mendeleev table, and why not? Anyway, we call it the periodic table. Um, he came up with it in uh, 1869, as you say, but there was a, a German working independently called Meyer who came up with it a year later. And funnily enough, both these two people had worked in their earlier earlier careers um, under the great Robert Bunsen, the inventor of the Bunsen burner. But perhaps Bunsen should be better known for the work he did with Kirchhoff when he identified the fact that different elements, when agitated, like sprinkled into flames, gave off different colours. If you take salt and sprinkle it over the gas stove, you get that characteristic yellowy-orange colour. Now, mm. this, the fact that different elements emitted different colours under these circumstances later enabled scientists to identify the chemical component of the sun uh, from the different um, parts of the spectrum that came from the sun or, or, the, bis- or the missing bits. However, I digress. The thing about the 
periodic table is that chemists were beginning to uh, work out the 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 weight of atoms it was the atomic weight of atoms now they didn't know about atomic structure so they didn't know the difference between atomic number and atomic weight and let me just remind you of that difference the atomic number is the number of protons in an atom which now we know corresponds to the same number of electrons in the atom whereas the atomic weight is the total number of protons and neutrons right so you can measure atomic weight of these various substances and you can line them up from the lightest which is hydrogen right through to the heaviest which the heaviest uh, um, naturally occurring one is uranium but and when you do this Mendeleev had the wit to notice that there were repeats in this pattern that uh, as you line them up certain characteristics certain properties of materials reoccurred and so he constructed the table where he had these elements in seven rows and uh, and columns i think there were eight columns and the columns were called groups and six groups have actually been assigned names for example group 17 elements are called halogens and group 18 are called noble gases now take for instance group 18 the noble gases they're the things that don't react with anything like neon and, um, and krypton and argon we now know of course that they don't react at all well because their outer electron shells are full they don't have any gaps or any spare electrons to get themselves involved in chemical reactions Mendeleev knew nothing about this but he was able to notice that these were these these particular elements had something in common but he only he was only able to line them up by leaving gaps Mm-hmm. He had the wit to realize mm-hmm. that there were elements that had not yet been discovered. Mm-hmm. And of course, the moment his table was produced, people set about trying to fill the gaps. Was that where, where there were gaps? Um, was that because he, he could see that there was, where he knew about an element and could see its, um, its correct place on the grid that he was creating, he could see that. But the normal succession or the difference between, say, two knowns, he could infer that there should have been one before and there wasn't, or it wasn't identified, it wasn't known to anyone at that stage. And we're talking back in the 18, late 1800s. 1869 was when he finally did the periodic table. I'm just trying to explain for listeners how he would have known that there was a gap. Well, he was lining them up according to their weight mm. and also putting them in the columns according to their properties. Mm-hmm. And, and if you had a, a weight of, say, uh, 20 units, and then the next one that came along had 25 units, and you could find which columns they went in, in, in according to their chemical properties, and if these were not adjacent columns, then, you know, he, he realized that there must be a gap. It, it, it was a... It was a, a bit of a fudge to enable him to make sense of these elements, but it was a very sensible move. Um, but of course, having identified these gaps, and we know from his periodic table what the properties of these elements should be. If there's a gap in, say, for instance, um, 
what what is it let's say group 17 the halogens chlorine iodine things like that then if there's a gap in that column then you know you're looking for a material with a certain comet atomic weight uh, atomic number corresponding to the gap which had the same properties the similar properties to iodine and chlorine mm -hmm. so this enabled chemists to set about hunting for these things right and uh, 10 of them 10 of these gaps were filled actually by the work being done at the royal institution in london and sir humphrey davy was the main uh, worker there and they're very proud of this, and you can visit the Royal Institution, you can go in and, and, and see ex exhibitions. It's also the place where Michael Faraday did his work, his early work on electricity. Okay. The first one's in 1807, Humphrey Davy identified potassium and sodium. Later, the following year, he identified calcium, strontium, barium, magnesium, and boron. And the following year, he discovered the nature of chlorine and iodine. Uh, so Humphrey Davy went on, of course, to, he invented the Davy safety lamp for miners, but he also um, discovered nitrous oxide, laughing gas, uh, which, is, which was widely used as an anesthetic. But he joked that his best discovery of all was Michael Faraday. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think Mendeleev is quoted as saying that um, the periodic table symbolizes not merely the constituents of matter, but the logical cogency and principled rationality of all science. So there were lessons that went beyond. Uh, I mean, there were, there were repercussions all, all, all across the board, including, um, and it's a big subject, quantum mechanics is tied up in this as well. There were repercussions for that, which was unknown to Mendeleev. Well, absolutely. I mean, Mendeleev was clear that ev everything in, in the Earth and, and in the universe was built of these building blocks of these various atoms. Mm. And he was able to show that there was some structure involved in all this. And, and it was all done without any knowledge of the, st of the structure of atom, the difference between atomic number and atomic weight. Of course, later on, when, it, uh, when Bohr came up with his uh, theory of the atom being comprised of a nucleus with protons and neutrons in the center with electrons going around it, it was obvious that the, well, it became obvious that the chemistry was um, all controlled by the number of electrons in the outer shell, and lo and behold, that number corresponded to the columns in the periodic table, and it all began to fit together beautifully. Mm. But Mendeleev was totally unaware of any of this. Mm. It, it was an, in, an inspired piece of work really mm. how do you calculate atomic weight the size of the atomic weight determines the nature of the elements in, in terms of the atomic weights mm. this was all done by chemistry yep. later on of course people were able to use things like mass spectrometers to look at, at the atomic numbers because that would determine how the material would move within a spectroscope and, mm. and, 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 and the charge on particles. But that came very much later. Mm. It was all very confusing. I mean, for instance, the atomic number of chlorine was 35 and a half. Well, how did you get the half? And, 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 and this wasn't understood until much later on, in the early part of the 20th century, when 
people understood the concept of isotopes, mm -hmm. that you could have a, um, an element, say, for instance, carbon, which has six protons in the nucleus, and therefore it has six electrons going around the outside, but its atomic weight can be of several values. You can have carbon-11, carbon-12, carbon-13, and carbon-14. And the difference is the number of neutrons which are in the nucleus. And the weight, the atomic weight, is the sum of the protons and the neutrons. Electrons don't really weigh anything. They, they're, they're so light, they're insignificant. The atomic weight is determined. That, and, and naturally occurring carbon is a mixture of these two, and therefore the atomic weight is not exactly 12, although carbon-12 is a very common one. And, 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 and likewise with, with chlorine, the example I, I first mentioned, because it occurs naturally in a, as a different number of isotopes, the atomic weight of chlorine comes out as a, a non-whole number. And this was very confusing for a long time. Mm. It's a fascinating story. I'd urge listeners to go and have a, a read about Dmitry Mendeleev. Uh, he was a fascinating character and some of the other heavyweights who were in his orbit, people that he'd studied with in Europe before he went back to Russia and, uh, and then finally settled down and, and came out with the periodic table of elements. It is a fundamental way of cataloguing all the different elements that make up the universe. So it was a huge breakthrough for chemistry. And in a way, you could say that, that the periodic table has become as familiar to chemists as spreadsheets are to accountants. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to review us on iTunes. It's a great way to let others know if you've liked our podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Beyond Infinity RPPFM on Facebook or Infinity RPP on Twitter.